You know, one thing I've noticed, I was reading a New Yorker review about this, and uh, people comment on the colorists, too, increasingly. And I don't know who colored it, but yeah. Color oh, matters. interesting. Anyway. Wow. Good for them. I mean, they deserve to be recognized also people of color, I would say. <laughs> could be describing this week's book about an android superhero whose brainwaves were copied from a 70s era superhero i'm ryan joe and i'm roman segel and we are two dudes who if you copied our brainwaves you just get two bricks <laughs> this week v is for vision 2016's eisner award-winning series by writer tom king and artist gabrielle hernandez walta King should be a familiar name to you by now, as we've read more than a few of his works on this podcast, including Mr. Miracle and The Human Target, two stories about troubled superheroes, and this book is no different. The Vision actually debuted in The Avengers way back when in 1968, when he was first designed to kill Earth's mightiest heroes, but soon became one of them, falling in love with the Scarlet Witch along the way. The same story arc kind of played out on the big screen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where The Vision was played by Tom Bettany. And he pretty much had his girlfriend rip his brain out of his head. I had a nickel every time a girl's done that to me. I, I feel that's a metaphor for something, Raman. But anyway, we're, we're going to move on from that. And we're also going to move on from the Marvel movies like the rest of America seems to have already done. Not soon enough. Uh, fair point. But that's how we get the listeners to read more comics like this one. And this isn't really a story about WandaVision. In this comic, Vision just wants an ordinary life with a wife and two children, a home in the suburbs, perhaps even a dog. So he built them. Sound familiar? Only this time Vision literally built his wife, kids, and dog. As in, they are sentient robots. What could go wrong? And as one would expect, every time we build sentient robots, people start dying. That's right, old chum. Expectations are confounded in this heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, breathtaking story. So Ryan, where does this fall in the particular good, bad, particularly bad Tom King magnum opus? On a scale of 1 to 10 Cylons to Skynets, how did the Vision hold up i'll give it about a six yeah it, there are things that i really liked about it and especially when i first started reading it and it was just this depiction of the synthetic family trying to be human and then there are things that i really didn't like about it which is when the plot started to get in the way of everything <laughs> and pesky plot yeah but I, you know i i feel like i was this actually kind of encapsulated me what i like and don't like about tom king's work and i you know i loved mr miracle which is really just about a guy kind of trying to escape his depression and trying to be the best dad and husband that he can be. And all of the superheroics are really kind of in the background. They're almost treated like what the, the shit that he does when he goes to the office. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought Vision was going to do that as well. And, in a, and for a while it did. Of course, in this case, it would be about, you know, can someone that is synthetic that has synthetic emotions actually be human which is kind of a very interesting question to ask and there are times when tom king really i think is very creative in showing this conflict that the visions have as they try to emulate being human um but then there's a sort of like overarching plot where the vision might end up destroying everybody and the avengers come in and that's where i feel everything just falls apart and you lose some of that really interesting character work that he had been doing for the first episode or so or even throughout later episodes well i mean i think uh, the the first part of it that you liked is kind of like the subplot of star trek the next generation of data trying to find himself over multiple multiple seasons and that actually would be really interesting if imagine tom king was doing the avengers over you know like a 50 issue run and this was the kind of subplot beating in the background. But the fact that this is like a miniseries, you did kind of need 
and I and you know I'm okay with the with the trauma and the murder and all of the hijinks that ensue with the kids. Right, this isn't like a Vertigo book. It starts out like one almost, but then it it kind of has to make its place in the Marvel universe. And things I know about you know what happened later is, you know, uh, Vision and his daughter are kind of the primary characters who continue on past this narrative, whereas his his wife and son do not. My issue isn't the fact that there is like a superhero plot. It's the fact that the superhero plot is not very good. <laughs> and it's but it's not even a super. No, but it's not even like a superhero plot. It's more like an American Beauty, fucked up family weird, plot, right? Isn't it? Regardless, it's bad. It's, it's the fact that it's bad, and it's predicated on characters making really dumb decisions that I don't think they would have made. Like this is what frustrates me when you have characters who are supposed to be intelligent and then they make decisions in the plot that kind of run really counter to that and don't make any sense and the only reason that they make those decisions is because you need to get the plot engine going and put them in a certain situation and i can give a couple of examples primarily with honestly with the grim reaper the whole thing that sort of sets it off right the mother vision i forgot her name victoria the visions are attacked by the supervillain Grim Reaper, and the mother basically bludgeons him to death with a cookie pan. And she, in a panic, is like, oh, crap, I have to bury the body. And so Vision doesn't know about this. I mean, she she does this in front of all the kids. So they have this like horrible secret, and she buries him in their backyard. Okay, and... so th- th- this alone, this is the stuff that I was like, wow, this is right up Ryan's alley. No, so, well, like... I mean, it's... Not the fact that it happens, it's the fact that it just is so against her character to do this. For instance, right? Um, look, if you come home and your wife is standing over the body of a dead axe murderer with like a hammer and she said, man, I had to kill him because otherwise he would have destroyed our, our family, you would be like, oh, good job. Great job protecting our children. Let's call the cops and we'll get this cleared up. And that's what you think would have happened. They, they were attacked, surprise attacked by the Grim Reaper who gutted their daughter in front of them. And then she kills him to protect her children. And suddenly that's this horrible secret she has to cover up. And that becomes a basis for all of this drama. And I don't even understand why she, that's the decision she had to make. Why can't, you know, realistically, Vision comes home. She's like, honey, we were attacked, which she did say. And I had to kill him in order to protect our children. And, you know, but she doesn't do that. She says, oh, oh, he escaped. I, I tried to use non-lethal methods and he is. It's like, what? Why the fuck would you even say that? You're just creating problems for yourself. <laughs> Lady, we're only in issue one. You know, so it's like <laughs> that level of unforced error is just like completely throws me yeah, out okay, of Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, look, I, I hear you, but at the same time, like, there's a little bit of allegory to... And I was reading a review about Vision, like, prior to this comic, like, back in the 70s when he was the the robot that married the white lady. Um, there's kind of, like, a race otherness to them. And I kind of, because, knowing that, that was some of the baggage from, like, Vision in the 60s and the 70s when interracial marriage was not a thing. And now you've got this family, literally a family of color, right, living in this neighborhood who are different who are looked down upon by the neighbors. There's racial epithets that are like spray painted on their house. I don't know if that had happened before or after the Grim Reaper incident, but you feel like you can't get away with these things. Like the majority regular old red blooded Americans could, but red skinned synthesoids who are people of color in this like very conservative neighborhood, they wouldn't get away with it because you're the evil robots. You're the toasters who are coming to kill us. So that plays into the narrative. So I can actually understand why his wife would want to hide it. The person that they killed is called the Grim Reaper. He has a scythe for a hand and a skull doesn't on matter. his shirt. Doesn't matter. No, doesn't I don't believe matter. that. I don't, bu- I don't buy doesn't, that. No, doesn't matter. He's a white human guy, and she is a woman person of color who, even though she did kill him in self-defense, like... I don't know, man. Like, this is actually where I fundamentally disagree. Like, and it does set into motion all the other things, the other murder that she commits, which is also accidental, which she does have to hide. Like, that's the real one, right? Like, you probably could have gotten away with not doing the Grim Reaper thing, and I think we would have arrived at, like, a, a, a point that we're more agreeing on, the, the other accidental death. 
right? the reason I well the Grim Reaper is what sets it off, and the reason sure. I don't buy I here's the problem with saying the story is an allegory. It means that you've just basically discarded any element. It's it's basically you're, I feel like you're saying that in order to mask the fact that the plotting the the motivations are sloppy, right? It's it's sort of like suddenly it's a symbol, and suddenly like regular human emotions and reality doesn't apply. There, there's nothing in there that sort of indicates that she would not be. They are believed. robots. Well, yeah, sure. The, are are you kidding? At the begin at the beginning, like the first scene in the book shows the neighbors kind of doubting, like, do they eat like us? They're weirdos. What okay, are yes. they? You've got the later to, on. What does that have what does that have to do with not being believed to that you committed a murder? Like, or that what not being believed that you committed a murder in self defense? Like what is the connection there? To to your credit, first of all. The murder happens early on, but and I'm right. now I'm actually like flipping through pages. You show so much awe and fear from the neighbors of the vision. So you've got the elderly couple dropping off cookies who are arguing about who these people are. Then you've got people taking pictures of the family, freaked out about them. You've got the high school that was floating down upon school, and everyone freaked out about them. You've got the girl saying, "Are you normal?" You've right. got. Right, right. They're, 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 they're different. I understand that they're different in this world, but I don't understand how that translates into the situation where she thinks she wouldn't be believed if she killed a guy called the Grim Reaper in self-defense. Like, what did she did she invite him in for cookies and something like that? Is that what people are going to think that he she invited him in and then murdered him in cold blood, or would they think that the guy with the scythe on his hand, who's called the Grim Reaper, was actually trying to fucking kill? Who is a known supervillain was actually trying to kill the Visions? I mean, it's not like that guy's normal. Okay, so I'm going to give you that. He's called the Grim Reaper, for God's sake. But he's a human. But he's a human, and there's a fucking double standard. Now, it gets even worse in the next where, in the next volume. So Where does it show that there would be... I don't believe... Okay, go on. This is turning into an episode of Modern Minority. This, this is good, though. This is good. This is good. No, this is good, though. Like, I, no, no, I, no I but just... like, look, look. If, okay, let, let's flip this. Let's flip this. Okay, they're not robots. They're a Muslim family. Or they're a black family that okay. moves to a mostly white or mostly Christian neighborhood. Uh-huh. And then, say, maybe not a supervillain called the Grim Reaper, but some white nationalist. Come to, hey, hang on. Let me go here. So a supervillain of the real world, a white nationalist, comes to the house to try to do some shit, right? For whatever reason. And they literally have a costume on. It's, it's uh, the villain from American History X, right? And they do all of these bad things. And the mom in her her hijab or whatever has to kill in self-defense to protect her children. Maybe they're an illegal immigrant. Maybe they're Muslim in post 9-11 America. Maybe they're just black people in a white suburban neighborhood. I think there is palpable fear. That book has been written. Native Son, for God's sake, had something like that happen in it, right? So, like, I, and again, I don't think Tom King was, actually, I do think Tom King was going for that. Like, to your point. Yes, it's the Grim Reaper. And yes, you probably should have put it in issue three after you show all sorts of other confrontations with the neighborhood. Like, it was the son or the daughter who, like, nearly choked that young boy. Like, more things that show them as others and weird. Had that happened? Like, I actually do think if a minority had done a murder in self-defense in a majority neighborhood where they're already scorned upon, there would be that palpable fear of, I've got to cover this up. Well, I kind of... Right now, they don't understand them, and I think that's obvious. But scorned, uh, I think that's a little bit overstated at that point in the story. Um, you're you're right know, about people, the point in the story. Like, you're right no. about the point in the story. Right. And again, look, it happened in her house. It, it literally was a guy who is a known freaking serial killer. So I don't know, man. I mean, if I guess if, if John Wayne Gacy the dress comes dressed as a killer clown, you know, in a mostly white neighborhood, attacks a black family. Would they would they be blamed for for defending themselves? I I, I kind of think you know, not especially not really. especially. Hang on, just to play this out, she's effectively an immigrant, right? A vision's wife. She's literally only been in this world, like actually in this world, but in the the suburbs, right, where she doesn't fit in. For she doesn't know the norms and customs of the land, so she already feels like an outsider. And I'm, sure, and I'm like looking at the scene where you kind of literally show her killing him. And I think it's an accidental death. And she's like, what, what happened? Oh no, no, please. No, don't tell your father. That's a moment where she makes a choice and it's set up for dramatic effect. 
it's set up for dramatic effect at the end of issue one because you don't see that happening like from the front of the issue right um I don't know. You don't think it works. I think it works. I think it sets the tone of the rest of the book. I mean, it sets the tone for the rest of the book. Yeah, it does. But but it doesn't, (laughs) because it doesn't make sense. It's a character behaving in a way that is completely freaking counter to who I think this character should be. She's supposed to be like, how do you know that? How do you know anything about this character? She's only existed for like 20 pages. I mean, she is kind of, she is kind of based off of the Scarlet Witch, right? I mean, that was pretty obvious, even though that was supposed to be a twist later on. I mean, it was clearly obvious that she was like... Oh, uh, yeah, and the Scarlet Witch is completely stable and normal, as we've seen. Right. I guess it's sort of like, it's just one of those... You know, here it is. What would you do in that situation, right? And if I can think of a better solution, then... You know, she's definitely in a position where we're supposed to... She's one of the other heroes of the book. She's a co-protagonist of this story and she's not set up to be particularly dumb she's not set up to make dumb decisions and she makes what i think is a fundamentally dumb decision and if the whole and if the rationale is it's an allegory here's another here's another thing that she could have done also why does she bury him in the backyard that's another dumb decision like (laughs) she can fly no no. this lady she can fly she's got a laser in her head too she has a laser in her head right she she can disintegrate him with her laser she could pick him up (laughs) drop him in the ocean come back and be like all right all done you know she she she, all all that so there's two dumb decisions in one episode and that's that's what picks up the book i i will give you the non-disintegration not using your powers uh I will give you that one. But what I will say, I'll, I'll bring a, another metaphor, um, a hit and run. So let's look, if I were in an accident or, um, you know, if I were to hit a car, I absolutely would stop for the police and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know what the statistics are, but I swear to God, it feels like in our society, probably like 30% of people would like hit and run. That's why mm-hmm. it's like, there's a term and it's effectively a hit and run with a murder. Um, and then you throw on the race, female, per- othered person of color thing. And, and I'll just push back. Like, we don't know this person. Like, this person is pretty much a brand new person, not just as a character, but a brand new person on this earth who's still acclimating to what it is like to live in a civil society and is already feeling very othered, right? So I um, I don't know, man. I, 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 the reason I don't agree with the, the, the other thing, it happens in her house. If you're attacked and you're, I mean, it's one thing if you're driving down the street and you hit somebody, you're like, oh shit, this can be interpreted in so many different ways. If a guy with an axe breaks down your door, cuts open your daughter, and attacks you, I kind of feel, you know, I don't know, maybe even if you are a minority, society would be, at least modern society in suburbia would be at least a little forgiving of the fact Man, that you, you, just... you are really fucking glasses half full. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I, I mean, I, look. If you are a minority and you kill and you run over somebody in the street, odds are not really in your favor. If you are a minority and a guy with an axe breaks into your house and you shoot them in the head, I think there's you know generally you clearly speaking, read you clearly read no historical fictions from the Jim Crow era of our society. Like this is not the Jim Crow era. This is modern. This is the division takes place in the modern world, right? It's not. No, Jim what Crow. I'm saying, what I'm saying. Yeah, but this they, is fiction, not, man, not so only I'm... that, not only that, they're they're known superheroes. This very clearly no. stated. A hus- yes, a husband a... is a known superhero. The husband is a known. superhero. I mean, come on. You get the halo. You get the halo from effect from that. I mean, Travis Kelsey gets a halo effect from Taylor Swift. Mama Vision gets a halo effect from Vision. So. I, you don't, I, you I don't, you don't get it. You don't get to just be like, oh man, she's just some weirdo. No, her husband is a is an Avenger. People are taking. Everyone is calling them weirdos in issue issue like one through five. So no, they don't yeah, get they're... the effect. Even yes, even though he has saved the yes, world thirty seven times, no, they're, t- they're like, literally all the Avengers pictures. come they're after taking, him. At the they're end. literally taking pictures of him because they want to because he's a celebrity. And they're the also beginning. taking no, but in the beginning they're also just kind of taking pictures that unwanted pictures of people as well right because he's a celebrity just like they do with real celebrities so he's a known quantity in this world so that's why this whole allegory is like i understand what you're getting what tom king is getting at it i just don't it just doesn't work like it would have worked a little bit better but again like i don't know man you're you're, you're trying to kind of brush off what i think is just like a 
fundamental like narrative mistake by just saying, oh, it's an allegory, so it's fine. Like, I don't think that no, excuses it. I'm not even saying this was an allegory. What I'm saying is I think someone who did not belong, who was new to the neighborhood, I can – again, I'm, I would never make the same choice, like the hit-and-run choice, but I can rationalize why Mrs. Vision made the choice in the first issue. I get it. She's scared. She doesn't know what's going to happen. It's the wrong call. And to be clear, this is a flawed character. And that's what's really interesting. She makes oh, yeah. the choice that I cannot relate to. She makes an almost villainous choice because she thinks it's in the right to protect her children, to protect her family. It's not Don't that tell your father. It's not that you can't relate to it. It's just that it doesn't make any logical sense to me. Like, like it, I guess when I when I can kind of see a much better path, and you know, again, maybe you, maybe the, he, Tom King should have established that there's something wrong with their circuits, or you know, um, no, you know, yeah, but that's like what makes her, it even better. There is nothing wrong with her circuits. This is she, uh, the vision, the vision, the character, right, has been around probably in this continuity for ten or fifteen years, has saved the world, you know, however many times, so has gone down the journey of data right over multiple seasons of star trek the next generation has learned to acclimate and understands the norms of human society and you even see it in this 10 issue run him having to explain to his wife and kids who are effectively newborns the the norms of the society that he has brought them into well they're programmed they to be 16 it. right they're not like newborns but they are newborn but, 16 year olds but you get what I, yeah but even his wife he's explaining kind of the norms of society to her right because she's they're relatively new um and so I think it is believable that they would make the calls that they do. There's nothing wrong with their programming. Why would she hide and, it from Vision? Because because her logic tells her that he becomes an accomplice if he knows about it. If he knows about the cover-up, like, this person who has helped us and who's a hero who saved the, 37, the world 37 times, like, she's doing it to protect him. And you later on find that out. At, in the climax, like, she literally does those things. So she can be the one to come in and kill one of the villains, right? Not Vision. Even though Vision was ready to by the end to protect his family. So she was trying to protect him the whole time. And that makes it I even mean, more powerful. I guess. I mean, he's basically on the world's most powerful police force. I don't know. You'd think that she would tap into that resource, but okay. I guess she's just kind of freaking out. I don't know. I guess she never struck me as somebody who, you know, even in the first episode, who would make profoundly dumb decisions and i guess maybe that's why i was so taken aback by it because i saw two so by the end of issue by decisions. the end of issue one you were already out one. because of that yeah. uh yeah, yeah but there are other things you know it, it felt it felt like okay you're just trying to set up the plot points but okay i'll go with you here and see where, where it goes but i mean there are things about that character that i actually really did like and i thought was worth exploring like you know, there's what okay. So one of the scenes that I really enjoyed with her is she's playing the piano and she said, "I can play the notes perfectly, but it doesn't ever feel like I'm playing the piano." And I thought that was really interesting, right? And that kind of encapsulates, I think, one of the most interesting conflicts with the book, which is these synthesoids can do everything that a human can do, but there's just this fundamental missing element: this ability to feel, this ability to relate to being human. They're kind of going through all the motions, and they just cannot capture the actual feeling of being human. And that actually is really sad to me. And it's something that you see all of the, the kids trying to go for. Through The son tries to do it through Shakespeare. The vision has tried to do it by setting up a family. And so I guess I kind of wish that, yeah, I know you have to have these superhero conflicts, but I kind of wish that those superhero conflicts tied more into what the visions are going through. Their emotional absence, I suppose. And instead there's sort of that meta plot well, well, around. what's interesting is they do have emotions. Like, the, um, it's not like they right. Do. And th to me, there are so many like the piano thing. That's literally, I feel like that's a one or two episode arc in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like, the visions do have emotions. They're synthesoids. They're not androids, but they are not acclimated to the norms of how humans behave, and so they're still all figuring it out. Like the care and the love and the, so that actually maybe coming to, to kind of come back and litigate the first issue, they're not perfect robots, dude. They're synthesoids with emotions. She made an emotional call, which is the hit and run, do anything to protect your children call. Now, 
I don't agree. You calling it like a, equating it to a hit and run? I mean, she's protecting her. She 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 kills somebody fine, fine, who's fine. killing her. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm over I'm o- yeah, I'm oversimplifying what it is. But what I'm saying is, these are flawed beings. They're not flawed human beings. They're synthesoids. But these are flawed beings who make flawed choices because they don't understand the ramifications. So they might be stupid, and this is kind of a cop out, Ryan. But like, yeah, they are making stupid choices that you can't relate to. And I don't want to call them human choices, but they are emotionally wrong choices, just like Walter White makes bad choices, just like Don Draper makes bad choices, just like Rick Grimes makes bad choices. And that makes me love the character even more. I When I think about the choices that Walter White makes, it's in service of his own ego, and I understand exactly why he's making those choices. And when I think about the bad choices that Don Draper makes, I mean, in a way, it's, it's because of his ego. It's because of his need to protect certain things. So I understand self-preservation. I understand fundamentally where those choices are coming from. I don't understand where... She's not just uh, protecting her children. She's protecting her husband. Don't tell your dad because this will come back to hurt him. He's a hero. He works for the freaking president. It's a fucking episode of Scandal, man. It's like... It's a... I can understand. He's an Avenger, man. He's got some leeway. I, I mean... In the 32, 37 times when you've saved the Earth, I'm sure you've had to shed some blood some at some point. I, I, I do kind of feel like perhaps he would be a little bit understanding of, uh, of but she doesn't you know, know you killing that. Yeah, you know, she should know that, though. I mean, they're married, right? She's I don't know. been alive something... for like a month. <laughs> it's something that you should probably, that you could probably, you know what? I, I guess it's just one of those things where, gosh, if, if the central conflict or the thing, or the conflict that starts everything, could be avoided if the characters just sit down and talk to each other. Like that's just to me, that's you got to rethink the conflict in the narrative because if, if it's that easily solved, um, but, but the marriage isn't perfect. Like it's not a healthy marriage either. Like that, there's so many flaws in these characters, the the Vision family, and part of it is driven by this isn't a married couple that's been married for twenty years and has raised two sixteen year old kids. The wife and kid were invented like a month ago when, when this comic starts. Right. So, and and you they, do see the flaws and the cracks in the marriage as well. Like the only, that, that's the strongest... fine. That's fine. But let's go back to the Walter White example. Like he does, there, you know, there are times when he does not communicate very well with Skylar, obviously. But there's a Well, that's the beginning of the that. show. Right, right. The marriage has fallen apart at the beginning. Right. And, and there are reasons for that that are very clear when you break down who Walter White is, what he wants, what he doesn't want, what makes him tick all of that sort of stuff, why he has these feelings of emasculation, how, why those feelings of emasculation lead to him just being completely non-communicative. Plus, also, he's committing, like, federal crimes, but, you know. And in this case, you know, again, like, it's one of those things where it's just like, honey, I did something kind of bad, but, you know, it's in service of something that needed to be done. I guess I, I you just kind of think about, in your reality, if this happened, would you tell your wife, hey, I had to murder somebody to protect our children? You probably would. She probably would say the same to you. She'd probably be like, hey, I killed somebody because we had to save our children. And because you know that seems to be the most natural, normal thing for most people to do, you need really these need aren't to have – Right. You really need to have a very extraordinary but clear reason why she doesn't. And I guess – Because he's is- an Avenger? Because she's only been in existence? I think there are plenty of extraordinary reasons is what I'm telling you. But, you're, but and, does it, and you okay, where does it, okay, wait, wait. Where does it say in the text that that where, where do you get from the text that okay, the only reason she doesn't communicate this to her husband is because she's like new, like she's just. No, I'm reading into she, it. I'm reading into right. it. I'm giving you rationale. It's, it's, it's but not, it's, it's not. It's, come on, dude. It's it's like one issue. These things are assumed. Like you know, they've been invented. They've only been a, it's, but it's roughly never even, alive. It's never even explained later on. It's never even. It's it's. I mean, okay, you know what? We're not. I don't think we're gonna. It's very clear that you are – you bought into that, and I, it's very clear that I'm – what the fuck? Um, so, yeah. I, I, All right. So if we can get past that. Like, okay. I was trying to. Other... I was trying to talk about the piano moment, but you wanted to drive us, drag us no, back I, into I, this. I want to go, go beyond the piano moment, like the moment where she kills the other guy by accident. Let's get back to and murder. his son. Yeah, yeah, let's get back to murder. Because <laughs> that's what this is. This is a human tragedy, even though they're robots. Like, this is written, I mean, I don't read a lot of Shakespeare, but, and, and again, I know you probably would think this is 
this is written as a tragedy. This whole book is written as a tragedy, and I I think it's well done. Like I don't know. Okay, what 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 about the other murder though? It's an accident, but I mean she's so far down the path that she has to keep covering her tracks over and over, and it's just like this slippery slope from the beginning with the Grim Reaper which to your point is justified and she makes the absolute wrong choice. But once she makes one wrong choice, it cascades into a bunch of wrong choices all right. the way until the end of the book, such that the tragedy of the book is the vision tried to have a family. He created, and the world is afraid of killer robots. And he effectively made, you know, robots that make the wrong decision uh, all the way till the very end. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Right, it's, it's I, got, uh, I guess it's got, it's got the Cohen brothers sort of thing, right? Where you know you make a bad, mur- where you where you know there's one body and then suddenly there's like five, and you're just like, whoa, how'd that happen? Um, you know, I, I, here, here's one other thing I'd say, and this is kind of a, a cheap, a cheap dick move, but everyone else seemed to like this book, Ryan, except for you. <laughs> like it won the fucking Eisner. There's a New Yorker article about it. Like th- this is a really good book, and I think most people went along with it, went along with Miss Vision's choices and could understand the motivations, even though we don't we don't relate to them, but they make sense and they drive the plot forward in a really good way. I think you're in the minority here and that's okay. Yeah, I don't understand why you think like just because a lot of people like something means like everyone else, you have to like it too. I don't, I'm not saying you have to like it. But, I'm, you kind you're of, allowed but, but you're kind of saying that though, like just because some a lot of people like something you know i mean a lot of people like the taylor swift concert i mean you know it's perfectly valid to not like it i don't think the rest of the world got caught up in that moment that that you did and that's interesting Uh, yeah i mean but i don't care what the rest of the world thinks i care what you think and that's you know like if you want to litigate what the rest of the world thinks like (laughs) you could just go on uh, just go on the reddit message boards i've explained we both explained our point. And it, what's funny is like we're, we're stuck on the same point. As with most of the books we disagree on, it's it's one singular thing that we saw the exact same way and we just saw the opposite side of it, right? So. Yeah. No, I so I mean, yeah. So, I mean, so go, go into that a little bit more. So, you know, so you, what did you like about it? Like, you know, okay, so there's the murder and then there's another murder with the kid. It's, ca- it's, cascade, it's cascading bad choices and then it's the tragedy. So the cascading bad choices of one bad choice, which I, again, can't relate to, but it makes sense in my mind why she would make that choice, even though I don't, we don't agree with it. Um, and then it's just a slippery slope past that. And the bigger tragedy is all he wanted was a family. He was trying so hard. Right. And everything just fell apart. No matter how so, hard he tried to find joy, he can't have it. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I got that. And um so we go from Grim Reaper and then it kind of leads to the situation where she ends up, where the kid ends up accidentally being killed, which is much more egregious and, you know, implicates her much more strongly than the whole Grim Reaper situation. And then what, I forgot what happened after that. Like, and then how does, how did the, well, he, well the dad does murder a dog. <laughs> like vision does like lobotomize a dog and make a robot dog. Yeah. Which no one else in the neighborhood seems to know what happened to Sparky, but in the first volume, you know, you've got kind of this subplot of Agatha Harkness kind of like yeah. narrating something. And you find out her saying to the rest of the Avengers and the X-Men, uh, we're in fucking trouble. This right. guy is going to like kill us all if we're not careful. And then the Avengers are the ones who essentially kind of create that self-fulfilling prophecy. Again, another situation where they make this completely weird decision to instead of confronting Vision and asking like what the fuck's going on um they send a plant, spy plant a, plant a spy right and then that which just only makes things who, who who basically kills his son right right so at, at that point the avengers are the ones who sort of cause the vision to go completely rogue and pass the point right. of and, probably no and, and so through the whole book like i don't want to say you're seeing it from his point of view but you're in his camp everything he tries is not working um you know everyone's against him society's against him the guy can't cut a break up until the very end and uh yeah i don't know man it was a quirky weird tragedy uh yeah i know i agree with that there's a lot i liked about it but there's also as i mentioned before a lot of moments where the narrative just the plot the superhero plotting just kind of gets in the way of telling a really interesting story about these people and i think the agatha harkness one is another example of it where 
okay, you know, suddenly she just kind of shows up and prophesizes that the vision is just going to go completely rogue. And that's when you have this sort of infiltrator, this spy. Does it really connect to the breakdown of Mama Vision? Not really. It's sort of a separate plot. Like, you don't, you can kind of like have Mama Vision's descent into madness without having the, the that's fair. Avengers. Yeah. Or you could just have the Avengers and not have Mama Vision's descent into madness. Like, I guess they, they kind of combine at the end when Mama Vision comes in, when tears out the dude's heart. But it's one of those things where, again, it's just sort of like, okay, here's a plot. I'm just going to keep things. You know what? It's sort of like, I think the Simpsons did this. Calvin and Hobbes did this. Sometimes when you want to just shake things up, you toss in an uncle. The uncle comes to visit. Um, and I kind of feel, and when he came, and he was kind of coming by and he's just sort of like, hey, let me get your feelings about things. And they're like having this open conversation with him that they would never have with Vision. Um, obviously, the, the uncle was a little bit more consequential in the end, but it felt like one of those things where, okay, I'm not quite sure where the story is going to go. So let me throw in this other character who can maybe. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I think this is the, where. I, I think this is where Tom King, you know, what keeps us from being like an an image comics vertigo kind of joint is he's telling these stories or trying to tell these stories in continuity, whether it's Human Target, Mr. Miracle, some of the other stuff he's done. You know, he is weaving in all these threads from these things. Like, I did not know that there was another robot in the Vision family, right? And they had to kind of explain that. I knew everything about the Scarlet Witch and the kids that disappeared and all that stuff. But, um... Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tom King, that's kind of the, the fanboy, how it fits in continuity. This is not an Elseworlds tale. There's, like, real consequences. We're going to bring in these other side characters, um, including Agatha Harkness and, like, you know, all of the the stuff from Wondagore and the plant and all that stuff. So it's like... It kind of muddles things. I mean, it, it muddles things a lot. I think it adds the color, right? It just adds the color to make it... To me, I don't think it's muddling. I think it's... Uh, and it's not even fan service. It's, oh, we're going to bring in the texture and the details of the Marvel Universe so you know this is not some standalone thing. This is going to have consequences, right? I mean, okay, so that part I understand. Like, you want to have some sort of greater consequence in the greater Marvel Universe. But is that in service of telling this story? Um, what does I mean, it add I to think, Vision? Think... What does it add to Vision's story? And, you know, we already have texture when we have, like, Captain America's lighter. You have Silver Surfer's vase that kind of shows up. So you do already, you have the plant. So you have like well, no, these so, trappings in the background that are adding texture. What does this add? Well, okay. So a common uh, thing that you and I bitch about a lot on this show is how superhero comics always hit the reset button at the end of everything, right? Like it all go Peter Parker goes back to not having a job, you know, being broke, blah, 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 blah. That always happens. Right. The same thing happens. Aunt May's always sick. At the uh, end of yeah. it, there have been a few things that they've done with Vision over the course of the years, right? Um, where, whether it's marrying the Scarlet Witch, uh, having kids, finding out those kids were fake apparitions and part of a demon, Vision losing all of his programming and losing his emotion, blah, 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 blah. And with both Scarlet Witch and the Vision in mainstream Marvel comics, they've shown that these things have a fucking toll. The Scarlet Witch goes crazy, kills all the Avengers, erases all the mutants, does a bunch of crazy shit. And people are really afraid of her. She's like, oh my God. She's like, whoa. And with Vision, he's just been kind of the happy-go-lucky, everybody's favorite data, Android, etc. At the end of this book in the Marvel Universe, Vision created life and everyone was a little weirded out by it. His wife freaking murdered people. Uh, his daughter almost died. And at the end, it's just him and his daughter that are left. And all of the superheroes, I, again, I don't really read the Avengers anymore, but they're probably like a little bit more on edge about this guy who's been through his own PTSD with his family. And then they've got this like girl superhero that they've now introduced in the form of um, his daughter, right? Who also has gone through her own kind of form of PTSD. So I think what, here's what I would say where the criticism of a lot of superhero comics is they don't take a lot of swings and they always reset everything back to the baseline. This comic is doing the opposite of that. This is not some standalone Elseworlds story. This is a, oh, we're going to change the trajectory of this hero, and you're never going to look at him the same way because of the, like, the shit him and his family did. I so agree, I, but I don't I'm think you need... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think you need the Avengers to do that. 
Um, I mean, they were in the background. I think you could have kept them in the background to do that. And I guess maybe when you have this sort of meta narrative of, oh, no, Vision is going to destroy all of us. He's a great threat to all of us. The reason that falls so flat for me, well, remember when... uh, He tries to go to war with all of them. He tries to kill all of them at the end. Right. Okay, so remember there was Avengers Disassembled when Scarlet Witch hallucinated killed all the Avengers, including the Vision. And then she obliterated mutants from the world. That was sort of like... Well, those were two uh, different things. Those she are two different storylines. First. first, she killed yeah. the Avengers. Then she obliterated all the mutants. It was actually the other way. It was actually the other way around. It was the other way around? Yeah. Um, okay. So how did that net out? Where Are there no more mutants in the Marvel Universe? Are the Avengers dead? Is the Vision dead? No. They're, they're, we're, we have another Avenger. <laughs> we have another situation where we have... Oh, remember when Professor X went crazy and he, he became Onslaught and he destroyed the Marvel Universe? And the Marvel Universe just ceased to exist from here. Exactly. Right? So when you tell me, oh, this hero is now a threat to all of us, it's sort of like, okay, we're going through that cycle again. We'll, we'll, soon we'll, it'll be Captain America who will be a threat to all of us. Then we'll have... Well, he, he, was a, he was and an agent we'll of have, Hydra. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And so it just kind of... And that's why I, I, I actually kind of preferred leaving the Avengers out of this. Because it's like, oh my god, we're at this shit again where this superhero is now a threat to everybody else. I guess it's the Vision's turn. You know, but when, you know, when I technically in the Vision's origin, he was originally created to kill all the Avengers. Right. But, you know, I, I actually liked it when Vision got kind of creepy. I liked that, that quite a bit. And that was enough to kind of reset our impression of him. It would have actually been really interesting to me if the Avengers thought that the Vision was just like totally on the level and had no idea what he was getting up to in his home life. Like, I, I feel like that would have been a much more compelling storyline because it would have created this interesting dramatic tension of the vision being on the surface one thing and actually being something else when he's living his life at home. Like, that's, I think, why I feel it was a missed opportunity. Tom King doesn't need to invoke the Avengers in some overarching meta narrative threat to everybody in order to create a compelling storyline. He actually had all the tools right there in front of him. And I feel like in trying to turn it into a more typical superhero narrative, um, he actually kind of lessened the threat, made it less interesting, less compelling, because suddenly I've seen all this before, and I know that it's not going to be like a permanent threat to the Marvel Universe. They're being threatened all the time. So that's kind of my disappointment. Like, if he had just kind of kept it centered in the Vision household, I think he could have created a really fascinating, interesting study of this family as it slowly disintegrates. Also, do away with the allegory shit. I mean, you can kind of make him them kind of weird i'm being very prescriptive here but do away with that weird allegory (laughs) racial stuff that only really shows up in the early episodes he forgets about it towards the end when the avengers come in and yeah so i feel like he had the opportunity to create a very quiet creepy story um you know a behind the scenes look at at this sort of like epic superhero who has this flashy public existence but at home his life is just starting to fall apart as he tries to be more and more human and that is sort of the story that you described but there's as i mentioned at the very beginning of the show there's so much extracurricular shit that distracts from it and i I found that that's why i felt like a lot of this was kind of a missed opportunity what do people i could say you, you know you invoked earlier like oh people really love this what do they like about it like why was it just sort of like the the new look vision was it there's something was there something specific about this book no i mean you know it's funny um it in uh like literally an hour before we record i was kind of like reading other reviews about it and i'll forward you a couple from uh, the verge and from the new yorker it's um it's a haunting story but it is woven into the marvel universe like it's not just a standalone not all robots thing right you right actually have to do the homework to make it fit in the marvel universe and to make it have consequences I don't know. I, I hate to say it. I think it's everything that you don't like about it is what everyone else likes about it, man. And like, that's, that's why this one's so confusing. It's not that it's, you know, a weird story in the Marvel Universe. I actually like that. I just feel the beats are really off in some points. Hmm. And that's what I don't like about it. The overarching concept of man, a superhero's home life falling apart. Um, leading to disaster all of that stuff is like just so freaking compelling it's just that when you kind of like break down okay what are the story beats okay this happens what why you know it it, there are these moments where i'm just like scratching my head because they don't make sense to me and to my again i think that's the appeal like i 
you just kind of let it happen and things aren't supposed to make sense and i'm okay with that in fact if anything that well, feeling of unease and an unsettlement that makes the visceral reaction to this stronger i mean would you say like things don't aren't supposed to make sense what do you mean by that I don't, there's a kind of herky-jerky nature to the beats of the story. And that's okay, because it makes me feel unease. Like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I didn't see where a lot of this stuff was going to go. And maybe you did, and you were seeing around the corners, or you wanted something to happen, and the opposite thing happened. But I was just kind of going with the flow and accepting that I wasn't going to understand how it was going to play out. There were a couple of things I could see around the corners on that Vision was going to go to war with all of his friends. They're setting that up pretty easy. Um, but for the most part, I don't know. Uh, can, I, can I ask you something, like a point of comparison? Because um, I remember we were reviewing Nick Dernasso's Sabrina, and that one, you said, you just kind of like it didn't have this impact on you. But it seemed like the Vision did have an impact on you. Why? And they're both kind of about the same thing, right? And I mean, not exactly, but a murder that leads to this disintegration of somebody's like reality and their domestic life. Why did Dernasso, you're just sort of like, eh, whatever. And vision really left an impact on you. Like what, what, what did Tom King do that Nick Dernasso did not? Well, I really enjoyed Sabrina. So, um, and it, it really got under my skin and upset me. So I, uh, I think, so I, they both did really good things. So, I really enjoyed Sabrina. That's the first thing. So, uh, but they did it in very different ways, right? Sabrina was a much more kind of muted experience. Obviously, there's not a kinetic nature to kind of how it was, how the panels were laid out. This obviously is kind of a very rich, textured superhero action thing. One was about ordinary people and civilians. The other one was about freaking robot superheroes creating life. Um, so they're, they're, it's apples and oranges, and I, I like eating apples, and I like eating oranges, and I I don't even call them apples and oranges. Like, one is a certain food group, and the other is a different food group. They're they're very, very different. Okay, yeah, no, my re- recollection yeah. was, like, you didn't, like, you were kind of, like, meh? Like, kind of like a no. middling, I wouldn't really recommend Sabrina, and this one you were really into, but they both have that sort of no, level no, of domestic Sab- disturbance. Sab- Sab- Sabrina got under my skin in a really bad way, uh, which I think is the mark of good work. Did Vision get under your skin in a bad way? No, Vision just entertained me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I was okay. I was okay, very okay. entertained. In so Vision was like watching an episode of Dark Mirror or uh, BBC Sherlock, and Sabrina was a little bit more like an indie feature, you know, that, uh, yeah. That, that you can't see it in your multiplex. Like, yeah, I, uh, but I'm glad I, and I, I, I stumbled into Sabrina and Sabrina and then Vision, like, you can't not find out about it, if that makes sense, right? Hot, hot artist, you know, interesting character, interesting take by a mainstream publisher, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, I mean, Vision was a really good Disney Plus show. Uh, and Sabrina is something that I have to go to movie to find out about. Okay. All right. So I, yeah. I, I just saw similarities there in terms of like that sort of domestic tranquility just completely upended by uh, some shit that you just do not expect. Yeah, but there's shit you don't expect. With Sabrina, you can actually, with the exception of the conspiracy theorists, um, like there are hum- really human responses in Sabrina, right? How you deal with grief or how you deal with a weird friend sleeping on your couch dealing with grief, right? Like yeah. there's a lot of, uh, I hate to say relatable, right? But, you know, or all the Alex Jones shit, like that exists in this world and you're explaining shit that's happening in this world and that's what's so scary about it. Uh, whereas Vision is, I don't know where it's going to go. How would a synthesoid emotional person who's only been alive react to it? Would they react the same way that I would? Would they bury the dog? Why is the vision cutting the brain out of this dog and making a robot dog to make its family happy? Yeah, um, Sophie, Sophie actually kind of looked over my shoulder when I was looking at that panel. She was really upset about that. <laughs> I was like, sorry, I didn't. It's a superhero book. But yeah, there is a dog being lobotomized. I so. mean, there's also robot sex. So, you know, there yeah. is that. Also, it's not the worst so, thing to see a dog being lobotomized. I mean, you saw Professor X lobotomized by the Red Skull in, one, in, in, in X-Men yeah. issues. So it's like, they're doing that now. Um, no, technically actually, Avengers. Well, uncanny actually, Avengers. Actually, I will, I will say one thing. Um, 
the, what's the one thing that I thought was really striking, and it, you know, obviously this was intentional. Like the Vision's relationship with with Scarlet Witch was so much more. Um, they had so much more chemistry, obviously, than his relationship with the synthesoid version of of Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really striking. In fact, they sleep in separate beds, right? So there's something very asexual about their relationship. Um, and his, he almost has to kind of fall back on his programming to remember that he loves her. And I thought that was just a wonderful uh, dynamic. It kind of shows this disconnect between him and his wife that does not exist between him and Wanda. All right, I got to go to bed soon, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's... Uh, all right, so, Roman, would you recommend this book? I think I know the answer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Ryan, I think I know the answer. Well, actually, I don't know. I actually don't know. Would you recommend I, this book? Yeah, I, I, I would. I mean, not unequivocally. I mean, there are so many problems with it, and I think those problems kind of got magnified because um, you disagreed. But yeah, I, I'd recommend this book conditionally. And there are obviously problems that I had with it. I feel it got kind of magnified on this podcast because we really kind of focused on those because they're a big mm-hmm, point of mm-hmm. disagreement. But I think there's a lot in this book. And I wish we would have talked about that in more detail, things, the stuff that I actually really liked about it and what, what Tom King was trying to do with the personality of Vision and the way he's trying to create this family and the tragedy of it all, of his failure to do so. But So yeah, I, I would recommend it, again, conditionally, but I, I think there's a lot here that, you know, when you get past the standard superheroics, it's, there's stuff here that's really kind of insightful and sad. I'm genuinely curious what all 10 of our listeners think about this book, because this is one most people would have read. It got a lot of critical acclaim. Um, this isn't one of those kind of like abstract books that we pull out of left field. Uh, genuinely curious how people feel about this book and and how people feel about kind of what Ryan and I, again, all that matters is Ryan's feelings are valid. My feelings are valid. But I am curious, like, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what, how, how other people feel about this one. I, I, I do think it's kind of a conditional thing. You know, you and I were trading texts earlier about, you know, I've got all these like friends, kids that are teenagers that uh, I want to read comics. And this is one like, you know, I mean, obviously it's not it's not a comic for kids, but this is. Uh, no, it's definitely it's definitely not. Um, but but this is but, one. I mean, I hate to say it like I read all the Scarlet Witch vision stuff when I was a teenager, <laughs> you know, like when Master Pandemonium like revealed that their children were like pieces of his soul and like made them stop existing and then i was in my early 20s when you know scarlet witch went crazy and killed everybody multiple times so you know why not yeah no it's another it's another uh uh massive paradigm shift in the in the marvel universe (laughs) (laughs) well ryan i i have another question for you that's what's the question is that I mean, with all these Eisner award-winning comics that we've been reading, uh, what could we possibly be reading next episode? Well, strange that you mention it. We are going to actually read some of the works from celebrated cartoonist Will Eisner, the so-called godfather of comics. We are going to read three different books of his, one Contract with God, which is one of his most famous collections. We are going to read his New York stories. And then we're going to go back to superheroes and read some of his spirit comics, which, as you know, might was developed into a very ill-fated movie by Frank Miller. Uh, so we're going to kind of get a wide range of Will Eisner and his storytelling methods that really kind of defined comics, I think, for a long time in the 20th century. And I mean, shit, even today. So... That's next week. Contract with God, New York Stories, and The Spirit, all by Will Eisner. W is for Will Eisner. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com give you a social media handle but we're old and that feels like too much work i'm roman segel and i am and have always been ryan joe
little piggy 